Hey there, welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. This is episode 359. We've started numbering them uh, on the actual podcast. We do it in the notes, but uh, people have said one time, I think the notes said the wrong number or something. So now, you know, for authenticity, when we have to testify in the trial, we have to make sure we say what episode number it is. Uh, today's guest, it's his third appearance. And so the intro is really pause this show and then go listen to the other two shows because they're just as good and you'll get a whole background and this show will have a lot more context. Uh, TJ Quinn is a longtime investigative reporter for ESPN. Uh, he was on Sports with Friends back in episode 244. That's when TJ and I explained our uh, longtime uh, friendship. Uh, we, we explained in grand detail how we know each other and the best part of that is we told some great Daryl Hamilton stories, and I could go back and listen to that. That would be just a blast for me uh, to hear those stories. Then we found out that TJ was dealing with the very long-term effects of COVID, having contracted COVID-19 before it was even labeled COVID-19, like before the NBA shut down back in February of 2020. That is episode 319, and that was 60 weeks ago. Now there's this story that has been in the sports and news world. And a lot of people are going to say this isn't a sports topic. I think it is. And I think that more people need to know about it. And I debated when to have uh, TJ on again to discuss the Brittany Griner arrest situation. Back in February of 2022, uh, Griner, who's a WNBA superstar. I mean, she's a household name in WNBA circles. Uh, was arrested in Russia. Uh, and we'll get into the particulars of, of that and, and much, much more as we welcome TJ Quinn back to Sports with Friends. Man, you will do anything to get on this podcast. It's desperate. I know. I know. It was the, the virus was my, my greatest trick. <laughs> the um, virus. Yeah. It was an elaborate yeah. ruse. Um, <laughs> let, let's start there. Uh, how are you feeling? Uh, this was 60 episodes, and this show is now really strictly weekly. So that's literally 60 weeks ago, a little over a year ago, the last time you were on, and you were in pretty bad shape. That's nuts. Yeah. No, it's I, my, my standard line is uh, I'm better than I was. I'm not where I'd like to be. Um, I can't run, um, and, and not because something happens to me while I run, because um, when you if I try some kind of serious exercise, or even if I go for a long walk, your body just like 36 hours later, just shuts down hmm. and you just can't recover. And, you know, it's really weird. I was, I was a serious runner before this. Yeah, that was yeah. my, my drug of choice. And so I can't really do that. Um, I'm tired a lot, but my brain is clear, which is huge. Um, I can read again. Um, it's not like I lost the capacity, but it was, or the ability, but um, you couldn't read very long without you didn't just have the losing. focus. Yeah. You couldn't focus. Things wouldn't stick. Words wouldn't make sense. I mean, it was really weird. Um, I can write more easily than I did before. Um, so that stuff's good. You know, right now I'm coming off of two very intense weeks of work. Um, and that's right after I, you know, one kid graduated from high school and one from college. And it's just, your body says enough. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's weird. Um, you get these bizarre little symptoms. Um, you're reminded all the time that you're just not what you were. Um, but hey, there's some people who can't work 
who've, who've got long haul stuff. And I'm able to do that. And I'm not just saying this because they might listen. My bosses have been unbelievable about letting me set my schedule and, you know, have some flexibility. Um, so I don't recommend it to anybody, no. but for, but you know, it's, it's, there's improvement and, and I'm, I'm not a pessimist. It, it, who knows? Maybe I'll get back. When did the, the Griner story, um, come to your desk? Like, you know, Griner's arrested in February. We heard it. Um, you know, I, I heard it too. When did that become something that, whether it's your choice or your, your bosses at ESPN said, okay, um, we're going to take one of our top investigative minds and get to the bottom of this, even though I don't think you've gotten to the bottom of anything. Um, when did this become your task? It, it, it wasn't public. You remember, she was arrested February 17th. It wasn't public in the U.S. until March 5th. And that was because Russia hadn't said anything. Um, and then they announced that they had her in custody. I think the Times reported it first. It so happened that if there's anybody in-house who's done stuff on Russia, it was me. Um, I had worked on a piece four years ago with a couple of colleagues about Vladimir Putin's involvement in international sport. And so, you know, we had gone over there. We had you know, spent a lot of time in that world. Um, when the invasion started, I actually did a long thread. invasion the uh, Ukraine. Uh, invasion. Yes, yes. Um, just for the uh, listeners. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Got to be just. I don't want anybody wondering what invasion. Um, that when not the alien the Russian, invasion that I'm waiting for, <laughs> which may have happened by the time this posts. We <laughs> don't <right>. know. Um, <laughs> when Russia invaded Ukraine, I I did a thread about uh, just sort of the implications in the sports world and how. You know, one of the a lot of people could see Vladimir Putin for what he was, but in the sports world, there's always been this huge rationalization, especially with the you know International Olympic Committee and and with FIFA. Um, we'll do business with them under this pretense that well, we will we're better for democracy. We we can spread democracy, and we can you know by having Russia as a participant in the Olympics and the World Cup, it's it brings them into the fold of nations and blah blah blah. And, so I, I started writing about that and it, it just, it made me kind of the natural guy in, in house to be working on this stuff. But what was good was that the people I needed to talk to it, what they told me was it showed them, okay, we don't have to educate this guy on, on what Russia is or who Putin is. Um, so just nothing like dumb luck and institutional knowledge on a story. So sure. for ESPN, there was never a question that, okay, I'd be the one doing this. Um, I'd, I'd heard an interview that you did, um, recently where you explained how you're able to attain your information because you're not going there. I did. Oh, <laughs> well, I heard it. Give away. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I just, what I'm fascinated about is how, from a journalism standpoint, you go about trying to get information because your information oh, yeah. is pretty thorough and I don't know what you don't have, you know what I'm saying? Because right. if, now if that you don't have it, you don't, you, you don't have it. You're kind of at the mercy of a lot of sources, but also a lot of uh, just to do due diligence, but you probably not doing it anywhere other than the chair you're sitting in right now. Um, this very chair, sometimes the kitchen. Um, you nailed 
a couple of crucial points that I constantly remind myself of. One is I don't know what I don't know. Um, so we, we can, you know, thank Donald Rumsfeld for the, the you know, ability to, you know, that the unknown unknowns. Um, sure. I've got to remind myself as a journalist all the time that one, I am not an expert. Uh, the people I speak to are experts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it doesn't make me one, which is just something in journalism that drives me crazy. You cover but you're a storyteller. You are a very good storyteller. You can well, take information and translate it. That's my job. But you have to have the humility to know, you know, the limits of your understanding. Um, I, I rely on those experts, but I also recognize that what I'm hearing from whether it's the people around Brittany Griner or the U.S. State Department or any other government agency that I speak to, you know, I may have good relationships with them, but I need to always bear in mind they have an agenda as well. It may be a good agenda, maybe one that most people support, but I, when I hear how Brittany is doing, for example, in Russia, I'm hearing that from her people and they have an interest in, in painting a certain picture of her. Um, doesn't mean they're liars. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, that it's not reliable information. It just means that I need to know they, I don't have any independent knowledge of this. The only people with eyes on her besides Russian law enforcement um, or Russian corrections are her attorneys in Russia. They're able to see her a couple times a week and then we get to see her in a perp walk every month or so. Um, so when people ask me how she's doing, all I know is what I'm told by her people. And I know that they have a vested interest in painting a certain picture of her as, you know, they, 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 if she were in bad shape, they're not at a point where they would want to be screaming, she's being horribly treated, she's being whatever. You don't want to piss off the Russians right now. Everything that they've been doing is to keep their heads down, try to get through this sham of a trial. And, uh, you know, that unquestionably is the case that it's, it's, it's theater. It is, it's not jurisprudence. They want to get through it with their heads down and hope that it makes it easier for Russia to cut a deal to get her home. So when I'm reporting, I've got to bear in mind that even the people who are being open with me, they have a story to tell. Um, there was some discussion about the possibility of my going over there, um, but we quickly shot that down, recognizing that there's, there, there's just no way to do it safely, or, or at least to be assured that you could be safe. So. You know, we thought about it. You don't want to do it for a stunt just to say, hey, I'm in Moscow. Isn't that cool? Um, it's like when, those, it's like those uh, television announcers that go into the beach during a hurricane. I, like yeah, I, I, go, I mean, that's, what, what, are you, what are you doing? What are you, do you have more information on the beach? No, go home and do your reporting. Right. And, and, it's, and we all sit there and watch and think, well, damn, that guy's crazy. Um, you know, and it's kind of fun to, to watch it, but it's, you know, I, I don't want to end up in a jail cell near Brittany Griner. And I don't serve my, my viewers or readers that way either. Um, it, would, it would be a dumb stunt at this point if we did it. We'd like to welcome a new sponsor to Sports with Friends, the guys at Snap Supplements, Nitric Oxide Organic Beets. You know, everybody knows getting old sucks. Yes, it beats the alternative, but everything now hurts. Everything is harder. Your body's just not functioning the way it was before. Everything just gets a little bit harder to do. Well, that's because the body naturally produces less nitric oxide as we age, while the risks for high blood pressure and heart disease increase. It's the natural style of life. 
That's where Snap Supplements Nitric Oxide Organic Beets comes in. It supports healthy heart function, promotes healthy blood flow and circulation with natural ingredients. It takes the best part of whole organic beets, the amino acids, and the vitamins without any of the mess that comes from cooking with them. Have you ever gotten a red beetroot stain? You can't get it out. It'll go on your hands. It'll be there for weeks. I've been trying these nitric oxide organic beets, and I've got to tell you, so far I feel better. Got a little bit of a zip in my step. Snap Supplements is offering listeners of Sports with Friends a 10% discount on their first purchase by using the link gobeats.com slash sports10. That's G-O-B-E-E-T-S dot com slash sports10. Try it out. Your body will thank you. Can you explain to the audience who has not been following this story exactly what she's been charged with? Is she's in charge? She yeah. has pot of some kind or it's a lotion of some kind? What they say is that she was trying to smuggle vape cartridges with hashish oil in them into the country and that it was less than an ounce. Um, they didn't go full on and say um, she was trying to smuggle 50 pounds of, of weed into the country. Um, what they charged her with was, was plausible. Um, she, she never said anything about it either way. And her lawyers never said anything about it either way. And I knew right away. So you don't know if it's true. Is is that what you're getting I I don't, I don't know if it's true. And even now that she's pleaded guilty, I don't know that it's true. Mm -hmm. What I knew the day that she was, or at least the day we learned that she'd been arrested was a couple things. One, Russia absolutely plants drugs on people to, you know, to, to put them in jail and then trade for their lives. And I knew that firsthand from, I mean, not just reading about it for years, but when we did our piece on Putin, there was a guy we spent a lot of time with named Leonid Martinuk. Um, He was a protege of Boris Nemtsov, um, Putin's primary political rival who was assassinated in front of the Kremlin. And Leonid told us about Nemtsov had warned him, they're going to come after us now. And he was pulled off a train uh, in Russia by the FSB, which for those who don't know is kind of the successor to the KGB, but more like the FBI because they have another spy agency. Um, but they're the guys you don't want pulling you off a train. And his wife called their lawyer immediately, who's screaming at her over the phone, don't let his bags out of your sight because that's the MO, is stick drugs in the bag. So I knew this is what Russia does. I knew that they have a history of obtaining uh, foreigners, particularly Americans, and trading them for somebody. But I also kept in mind that sometimes people do really stupid stuff and, and bring things into countries that they shouldn't for whatever reason. So And, and so you're saying that this could have been. It could she have been. Might have made, she, this might have been ignorance or this might have been planned. Absolutely. And so, you know, that I had to keep in mind. I kept seeing all these experts on Twitter, you know, and I use the term loosely, some of them actual experts who should know better, but saying things like 100% chance or 1000% chance uh, that she was framed. Well, no, not a thousand. And then others just as sure, of course she brought it in. It's ridiculous. Um, it's no, we don't know that at all. What we, what we can be sure of is Russia, ha- Russia has a history of this. So you have to keep that in mind. She did finally last week go into court and, and, and she 
she pleaded guilty, which I had been told was that there was a very good chance that that would happen. Once she's in that system, I mean, in the early days, if you remember, they were trying to keep a, a really low profile on this. They, her, her people in the State Department said, if there's any chance of resolving this legally, um, or at least through their legal channels, without some kind of trade, without her becoming a political chit for Vladimir Putin, let's try to do that. Now, there were people, uh, you know, in, in this country with a history, you know, who have worked in the hostage world of hostage diplomacy who said, no, this is ridiculous. You'd be screaming, you know, from the rooftops as much as you can. They were following State Department advice, try to keep it low profile. And the paradox was, yes, Brittany Griner supporters were angry that they felt she had to go to Russia in order to make, she could make more money playing for a Russian club than she could in the WNBA. Russian oligarchs who own these teams will spend a ton of money. So where she's making around 230000 a year in the WNBA, the highest level of basketball, women's basketball in the world, she was making more than a million a year playing in Ekaterinburg. And so they were upset about the, you know, the, the inequity and in how we look at women's sports in this country. But on the other hand, the fact that she was not as big a name as LeBron James or Tom Brady, the people everyone likes to compare her to, uh, meant that they had a chance to keep it sort of low profile, and they tried to do that. Once you got to the point where it was clear, no, Russia's going to trade for her. In May, the State Department officially reclassified her as being wrongfully detained. And at that point, the gloves are off. Then, I okay, think that's when I found out that you were writing this. Yep. And that, that was when it really took off. And that's when Britney's supporters and her agents and everybody told the WNBA, the NBA, anybody who would listen, start screaming from the rooftops. Because then it's about trying to cut a deal to get her home. And they know that any deal has to be approved by the White House. So when you, when you see a decal on a WNBA court, when you hear the commissioner, Kathy Engelbert, open uh, the draft by talking about Brittany Griner, when you hear about rallies or whatever, this is, it's all part of a coordinated effort to put pressure on the White House. No one thinks they're gonna change Vladimir Putin's mind about this with a, with a you know, social media campaign. Um, but they do think that they can pressure the White House to the point where Joe Biden will say, let's get a deal done quickly. They're, you know, I always tread with kid gloves on social media when it comes to anything political. Um, and not because uh, I'm afraid to share what I think, but there is, I, in my opinion, there is this unbelievable pressure, as there should be, because it's the top job in the, in the world. There's a lot of pressure. Uh, it's not wrong for a, for a good, normal American person to say, Joe Biden's not doing enough. Right. Like that. That's that's the general sentiment you know, at the protests, the sound bites where Joe Biden's not doing enough. This is the White House has to do something. You're not doing anything. I do not think I don't care who you voted for. I do not think he is literally lounging, playing shuffleboard, doing nothing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like he, he's he, he's doing what he can. And I don't think that, you know, 
well, the the All Star game happened, so I got to get moving. Like that, that that that's not a realistic, rational thought. No, it's a, it's a really reductive, you know, way of looking at it. She's not home, ergo, he's not doing enough. As if it's that simple, you know. And and the fact is, they are complicated negotiations. You've got um, you when at the time she was she was arrested, there were two other Americans in custody. One uh, former Marine, actually both guys are former Marines. One Trevor Reed, who uh, was accused of punching a cop and charged with that. And his trial, from what I, everything I read about it, pretty ridiculous on its face. Um, and then another guy named Paul Whelan, uh, who was working in corporate security and was charged with espionage. He was, he was arrested back in December of 2018. So those guys had been there for years at that point. Um, and now comes Brittany Griner, which helped bring some attention to their cases. Uh, Trevor Reed ended up coming home in late April uh, after his family. Now, his family, here's where it got kind of interesting. His family was campaigning hard to get attention, and they wanted a meeting with the president. They're from Texas. Um, I, I spoke to them months ago. And this was um, Biden? This is, before, this is after this Biden? This was President Biden, right. Okay. Um, so this was back in February when I, I think she had been detained at that point. We didn't know about it. it coincidentally, I was in Texas for uh, covering Eric Case's trial for the death of Tyler Skaggs. Yep. And the Reeds were pushing hard to get a meeting with President Biden, thinking that is what it would take to do it. Paul Whelan's family, on the other hand, was much more low key. And when I spoke to people in, in, in the State Department, they were frustrated with the Reeds saying, look, we get it. You know, a family feels like my loved one is locked up overseas. We want them home. We're worried about them. Why wouldn't you do absolutely everything that you can? Uh, but the people I spoke to, the professionals who deal with this were saying, come on, we're motive as motivated as anybody. We don't need them to raise attention to do this. We don't need the president to call us to say, make a deal. We're trying to get them home. Um, that's not good enough for a lot of people. And, you know, Trevor Reed supporters have said, you know, that if it weren't for the pressure on the White House, he probably never would have come home. The difference with Trevor Reed was his, his family said he had untreated tuberculosis and that he had been badly injured in some accident. And so when the White House finally cut a deal in late April for him and not Brittany Griner or Paul Whelan, they said these were unusual circumstances. We had to do this. And they traded him for a guy who'd been in, in prison here um, uh, for, for a number of years. And Paul Whelan's family was obviously upset that he wasn't able to come home. They've tried to be understanding about it. For Brittany Griner supporters, it was actually good news. And that's because the war in Ukraine had started and no one was really sure if there was any diplomatic channel to get somebody out. It was one thing before the war, they, they, they knew Russia likes to play ball. Once the war started, though, did a diplomatic channel exist? So when Trevor Reed came home, it was a sign that, okay, there's a way to do this. So Brittany Griner's people were, were thinking, okay, great, maybe this will happen. And the other good a bit, new, bit of good news for her was that Bill Richardson, former governor of New Mexico, former cabinet member, former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, um, he said he was going to get involved. And this is what Bill Richardson and his organization have done for years now, working as a private citizen to get Americans home. Um, so that was a big sign for them. Um, like, okay, this, we got the right guy. 
We got the right approach from the government. Now it needs to happen. Paul Whelan, though, is the other uh, person who is currently detained. Trevor Reed is was, was released. Uh, Whelan has not been. And there is a sentiment that uh, Richardson or Biden or whomever can't get Brittany Griner and not Whelan or vice versa, can't get Whelan and not Griner. That right. uh, because of racial tension, because of uh, you know, the fact that one's a man, one's a woman, uh, you know, one's famous, one's not. It, there's there's a million reasons uh, why one person basically they have to walk out side by side, uh, uh, you know, to get to get on an airplane and step into this this country. Correct. There, it's correct that there is that perception. Absolutely. Does the White um, House it, think that? I, I, the White House cannot be oblivious to it. I mean, it's you got a building full of, of people who work in politics. They, they, there's no way they don't know. And the people I've spoken to said, of course they know that it's not just a domestic audience. You've got, yes. Do you bring home uh, the young black lesbian who? Uh, you know, talked about protesting the anthem and that it shouldn't be played at games, or do you get the older white male who has been there for a longer period of time as um, former military? Now, his, his career is not as neat and clean. He was dishonorably discharged and charged with, uh, I want to get this right, I believe it was larceny. Um, Paul Whelan's not, not the, the easiest figure either. Um, but, but at this point, it, he's still wrongfully detained. That is how the U.S. government considers him, yes. Which is interesting, by the way, I had a talk with his sister last week, um, Elizabeth, who was really something. And she was, we were talking about the whole idea of an espionage charge. Either somebody's a spy or they're not. Well, if they are a spy and, and, you, and your spy gets caught, you know he's a spy and you're going to want to try to get him out. If he's not a spy, then you know the charges are BS and he's not a spy and you want to get him out. Uh, either way, there's you know, huge incentive for the government to try to, to get Paul Whelan home. And the there's a political calculation of how people here would respond. There's already been pressure on the White House that why aren't you working hard enough on her? Um, if it were, like we said, Tom Brady or, or LeBron or something, they'd be home by now, which I think is arguably ludicrous. Um, they'd be much more valuable to Russia as chits if they had been arrested for something. Well, let me, um, let me interrupt you there um, because there's a story that I remember that I think adds some context to what you're saying. Um, there was a blizzard in New Jersey and Patrick Eliash of the New Jersey Devils was stranded on I-280 near the Prudential Center. And he spent the night, you know, stuck in his car. Um, you know, he, he, he basically couldn't get out. And it was a blip. Like it, it was barely covered. And I said, if that's Eli Manning, that is like front and center. Like, how could this this happen? Sure. It, 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 there's the, the fame has to do, you know, the reality of it is, is, you know, if LeBron James is in a Russian prison, I don't think there's much of a difference. But the reality is, is that's how we cover it. And I don't know that that's a prejudice against Brittany Griner other than. It's a popularity contest. It is part of it, and if it's look, if it was so, it was if it was somebody from you know Jersey Shore who was stuck in there. Yeah, it would have been right. bigger news too in Jersey. That, I mean, that does have something to do with it. Um, but there's also a recognition that the the Russian uh, disinformation system is set up to exploit 
American political tensions. And, you know, what, what's a hotter topic than race in this country? And I mean, not just historically, but right now, especially. And so they know that that's what the troll farms would be, you know, up and ready to, to exploit is, oh, they, they, they did the woke thing and brought the young black lesbian home. And if they brought Whalen, they would, same thing, you know, oh, they, they brought the white guy home, but, but not her. Um, you know, look, I think I'm not, I don't cover politics. I'm, I'm not an expert. I think people recognize Joe Biden would like a political win and it would be better to bring them both. But when I spoke to Paul Whelan's family last week, they said that they don't buy that necessarily both will come home together. And hmm. they explained that it had more to do with the realities of negotiating with Russia. It's not like Vladimir Putin himself is handling every case, and that's who Bill Richardson is talking to. You're talking, you're negotiating with different groups who have different wants and needs. They have floated out there. The Russian government wants a guy named Victor Boot, who has the very catchy nickname of the Merchant of Death. He was uh, arrested in a sting operation in Thailand and extradited to the U.S. Um, or transport. I think it was the U.S. Uh, who, who nailed him. Um, he was charged with uh, supporting terrorism. He's doing a 25-year prison sentence. And in Russia, he's become a bit of a folk hero. Um, I understand that he's, he's done art in prison that is you know, on display in public uh, around Moscow. And uh, Russia floated through the official state news agency, TASS, that it was fascinating to watch. I, I, I read the article, thanks to Google Translate, and... It said it has been discussed, possibly trading Victor Boot for her, for her, but the same article also threw in the plausible deniability of another you know, official saying, well, it's possible such things are happening. I don't know, we're not sure. And it was all the experts I spoke to and all my experience in, in researching Russia's, that's what they do. It's a trial balloon that they float. This is out here. They have plausible deniability in case they wanna back off it, but that's the guy they want. Well. Who wants him exactly? Who are you negotiating with? Are you negotiating with the foreign ministry? Are you negotiating with the FSB, with the GRU? Are you negotiating with directly with the Kremlin? If you are, is the person you're talking to actually uh, authorized to make the kind of deal that would have to happen? Right. And, and who wants him and why? Yeah. And that's all part of it. And so Paul Whelan's family was saying, especially his brother, David, was saying, you know, usually these are on very separate tracks. Even if you're dealing with just the FSB, you don't know what faction of the FSB. Um, Elizabeth Whalen pointed that out. Yeah, that that there there are fights within the FSB over turf, and so someone might be negotiating for Brittany Griner, and someone else might be for Paul Whelan. Who's going to want to make that deal? So that's where we come back to reminding myself: I don't know what I don't know. Um, there's been talk about you know, some optimism that Bill Richardson might be able to go over there sometime in the next few weeks. That would be a, a, a great, you know, uh, omen for it would be a step forward for that. It would be a big step forward and show that it's serious enough for him to try to go there to, to close the deal. Um, but these deals, they can also be agonizing. And Paul Whelan's family talked about that at length. If you want to look it up, um, I, I had a great conversation with both of them posted it last, I think on Friday, um, they were, you know, you, you learn to live with the rise and fall of disappointment that one day you think you hear some great news and then all of a sudden the deal falls apart. 
and they know that you can have a deal that seems like, okay, the people in the, the negotiations say, we've got a deal. And then somebody steps in and says, no, we're not doing that. So it's, I wouldn't be shocked if I heard tomorrow that they cut a deal to bring her home. And I wouldn't be shocked if it took another four years. Those are the vagaries of dealing with Vladimir Putin's government. You know, they, they, they're going to do what is best for their own calculations. And you're, you're kind of at their mercy. Support for Sports with Friends is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And I rhymed, and I didn't even realize. It's great to have Manscaped back with Sports with Friends. The lawnmower, I've used it. It's wonderful. The Crop Reviver Toner. The Performance Boxer Briefs, wearing them right now. The ball deodorant, much, much more. The weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer. My wife actually likes that. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. Type in the keyword FRIENDS2022 at manscaped.com. 20% off and free worldwide shipping the trimmer is waterproof. You can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. The Weed Whacker also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology to help reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Guys, it's time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com, get 20% off and free shipping with the code FRIENDS2022. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FRIENDS2022 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code FRIENDS2022. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. You know, last time we did this commercial, we ended it with a smart aleck remark, but I meant it. Man, woman, anybody, as long as you're an adult, photos are available upon request. What I find is I read one article and then it, I have to read another and I read another and it just keeps going. I, I just, I, I want, I want to know the, how this, this story ends. Um, one thing that you have brought to light uh, is that this is rather common that WNBA players go abroad, that they, they go to right. European places. Turkey is one of them. Russia is another uh, for these huge sums of money uh, to play in these leagues. And they basically play a grueling uh, WNBA season. Then they play two or three more months. Um, has that all been halted? I know the WNBA season is going on right now. So I, I guess we'll have to wait and see for the off season, but um, are there concerns that other players are saying, well, you know, this was a major income generator for, for myself. I, I can't take the chance anymore. It, it's a, it's a big issue uh, for the league. Um, this is something all, I didn't know. And, and it's not ignorance. I, I, I literally didn't know how off, how commonplace this was. Well, this is um, it, it's look, the WNBA only has so much of a following anyway. Um you know, it's just not discussed in, in, in the sports world the way the NBA would be. It's just a reality. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, there have been some really good stories done about it in the past that it's not just about the money, it's about the lifestyle. I mean, there was a huge fight in the WNBA over chartering flights yeah. uh, because some owners wanted to and others just like were saying, no way, we're going to keep flying commercially. We can't afford this. Um, and it think was about a real... how tall those players are. They're to, they are think, tall think about Think about how tall those players are. Like, I, I was Look, on, a, I, I've traveled with a baseball team. Like, it's, and, and they aren't as tall as, as, as WNBA players or NBA players. Like, that's, that's, that's well, tough. Brittany Griner sure is. I mean, it was, it was funny. Like the ones yeah. I, I literally bumped into her one time in Bristol um, at ESPN headquarters. I was in line at the Starbucks on campus and uh, I, I, either I stepped back or somebody stepped forward and we bumped and I heard somebody about two feet above me say, Oh, sorry. And I turned around, I'm looking right at her sternum, Yeah, um, her waist. Yeah. you know, and she, and she was, and she's with a bunch of other WNBA players. And um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's not just a comfort thing. It's also just, just the, the optics of the, what NBA team would think about flying its players commercially and i know the difference in the revenues between college those teams leagues. don't do it but college, Small right, college right. teams don't do it yeah yeah and it was so it was a big sticking point and they go over to russia and not only are they paid better but they are treated like like rock stars they get the full on you know the, the full-on treatment and now there is a question for the players about well, where did you think this money was coming from these are oligarchs and you don't become an oligarch by earning merit badges in Russia, you do it by having being in Vladimir Putin's good graces and by funneling money to him. Um, and there have been accusations that that these oligarchs put this much money into the teams, not just because they're vanity projects, but for money laundering purposes. So there's that on the player's side. But on the other side, there's a recognition in the NBA that they have to do something. And Adam Silver has said that. Um, we need to address this. They did increase salaries in the last CBA. Um, they've also added a new exclusivity rule where you have you cannot be late to report for camp um, because you're playing for some other team. You've got to be there on that day. Yeah, yeah. Your WNBA season is exclusive to the WNBA. They are they've been raising capital to try to expand the league. They're talking about not just you know expanding teams, but expanding the marketing and the reach of it. Um, the feeling of WNBA supporters is, yes, we know that the market is not comparable to what it is for the NBA, but they also feel like it's been artificially suppressed. So what you're going to see is a greater push to increase the WNBA's visibility, um, do more with the all-star break, do more, um, do more to get them on better platforms, whether it's, you know, ESPN or, you know, any other network. Uh, try to see how much the game can really grow on its own. Um, but the idea of going to Russia, that seems dead. I mean, there, there's a couple reasons. One, it's, it's, you've seen how unsafe it can be. Um, and the State Department has a do not travel order in effect. But the money probably isn't there anymore. Right. The, the oligarchs' assets have been frozen. Because of the Ukraine, the Ukraine invasion. Because of the war. And... So I'm sure some of them still have money, but their yachts are being seized all over the world and their properties are being seized and, right. and their assets are being frozen wherever, you know, wherever the FBI can do it. And so they may not just have the money for it anymore. On the other hand, Turkey, Israel, China, um, those are still countries that offer those opportunities. So that's going to be that's going to be an ongoing issue.
do you think that as time goes on, like how can somebody listening to this podcast help? Would it help if you went on Twitter and started saying things free Brittany Griner? Um, what, you know, would it, does it make you, you know, should I, should I try to get WNBA players on? I, that's what I also thought about. You know, I thought I, what, what I had said to a couple of people who had asked me is I said, I think you, you know, you should do this podcast, but, but that if she's freed, try to get one of her teammates on, you know what I mean? Like how, how, right. how cool is that? You know, that, that, that kind of thing. What can a person, what can I do? What can you do? What can the lit, someone who's listening to this podcast do to help? Well, I'll, man, I'll answer the middle part of that first. As, as far as myself, I mean, I, I always need to be very clear and very mindful. It's not my role to be an advocate. Um, you know, I am a journalist that's, I'm here to tell a story and no matter how clear it is what Putin's government is and, and how they operate, it's still not my job to advocate. Those who do advocate, however, what they are asking for is they want people to sign petition for the White House that they've got online. They want people to keep her name out there. Um, but I'll also point out that you know there, it, there's not a consensus that that's the best thing for her. There are people I've spoken to familiar with the negotiations, I'm gonna be as vague as I, I can, unfortunately, um, who say, look, don't put so much pressure out there that it forces us into a bad deal um, or makes it so that she's so valuable that, you know, look, every time there's a headline over here about her, every time the president gets involved or the secretary of state or the national security advisor, there's a headline over there about it. I check Russian media every day. And yeah, the, the propaganda stuff, the, the machine is, is running. And so when Joe Biden writes a letter to Brittany Griner, it is big news over there. And there are people here who would argue it's not helping, but Brittany Griner's supporters, or her representatives, her family, their mission is clear. Keep the pressure on. Um, don't, they're not attacking the White House. Sherelle Griner, Brittany's wife, said how grateful she was. She was very complimentary about the letter, right. About the letter, the phone call that she got from President Biden. Um, she, uh, you know, so, so their, their message has been keep the pressure on, but don't attack. Um, it's a, a lot of fine lines that they have to walk. But for those who are looking for areas to, you know, to support, that's what her family's asking for. Um, there are going to be people who push back that says that this is the least amount of sports I've done on this podcast called Sports with Friends. Oh, I would um, argue my 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 history with, with uh, the virus would would. Yeah, that was also that, that was also mile. not. Yeah. yeah, that was not a lot of hits, balls, and errors. <laughs> uh, hits, hits, runs, and errors. Um, what about uh, ESPN's coverage? Um, do you go on television a lot? I, I'm I'm I mean I'm full disclosure. I, I don't watch that stuff. I watch play by play. I'm a cord cutter, and you know when when Syracuse is playing, you know Virginia Tech, I, I I'll go to ESPN, but I don't watch right. Get Up or 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 First Things First or Cold Pizza, or whatever those shows are called. Uh, I'm not I'm not trying to be derogatory. How often are you or someone talking about this? Um, how much? Because I'm trying to think from the mind of a program director. If I'm running Radio Station X, how many segments am I dedicated to this? Yeah, you know, I, I don't want people to tune it off because 
A, it's not a popular sport, and B, it's depressing. It's well, yeah, it's it's not the feel good story of the summer by a long shot. And no, and that's why I I want to be clear. I'm not criticizing whether yeah. it's a lot no, or no, a no. And it's it's something that we have to. I mean, I don't make the programming decisions, obviously, but I know that early on we had we had long discussions about if there is a concern about elevating her profile too much, how much do we put her on air? Because it is news unquestionably. But on the other hand, when do you cross a line from reporting the news to serving Russian propaganda interests? Right. You have to be aware that that's what's going on. So we made decisions about the tone of the coverage. Um, we did not want to be in a position where we're not doing our jobs because her supporters told us not to. But on the other hand, someone's life is at stake. She's sitting in a freaking Russian prison. I mean, that's, you know, we're not talking about screwing up a trade deal. But, you know, this, this isn't Les Miles going to Michigan. You know? No, this no, is... but, but Stranger Things just had a billion viewers. And uh, in the, in the storyline, uh, Hopper, he's in a Russian gulag or something. And yeah. people I saw on social media, people were like, is that what a Russian prison looks like? And I was like, I better hope not. <laughs> I think because that was there's a person a you know that's in there. Right. Um, I mean, that was kind of funny. And, and we can have a whole other discussion about why they spent that much time in that show on Russia. Um, on Russia. <laughs> the, yes, they really could have used an editor. I thought but, it was because uh, I thought it was because the the actor, David Harbour, was in Russia for Black Widow. Um, or in a, in a fake Russia. He, he was you know, he was he was fake Russia for Black Widow. And I've actually so talked to people who said that he was in that zone. And they were trying to explain his weight loss and his weight loss was for Black Widow and right. how to how to explain that. And I just thought they went too far. Right. That would make sense. Um, like the, the whole peanut butter uh, plot line. It, it's a bit much, but we digress. <laughs> um, it's I, I don't even remember what the hell we were talking about, um, but it was, I don't know how much oh, but, like not, like is ESPN radio having you on daily or you weekly? Or, not are you, daily. It's when there's news to report. And because that's what happens. It's when you're locked in a Russian jail, there's not a ton of news. So when her trial started, there was a ton of attention. When she went back a week later to appear in court again, there was a ton of attention you know, when she pleaded. Um, so it kind of goes in these spurts. There's not a natural next thing until the trial is concluded. And one thing about Russian criminal trials, it doesn't end with a guilty plea. Um, Right. Where if you or I were arrested, if I, you know, if it's a but state of New be sentencing and that's it. That would be it because all the paperwork is already in the record. In Russia, the trial is putting the case file into the record. Most of the trial is actually a judge reading the prosecutor's report into the record. So even though she's she's pleaded guilty, that will continue. They may they'll they'll still bring witnesses. They'll they'll make their case. It's the case that basically would have been made on paper here, leading up to an indictment and, and up till the, the beginning of the trial. Mm. Um, but also, there's a chance Russia will draw it out for maximum dramatic effect. This is a negotiating tactic, and it's her her lawyers in Russia said they think it'll end early August. Um, so we're just a you know a couple few weeks away. Um, That'd be incredible. It, it, it could draw, you know, it could draw longer than that. But then the next thing is sentencing. That's going to be a big deal. Um, and if there's news on the negotiation front. Fascinating. Um, fantastic job. Um, you know, I don't have to kiss your ass. You're already agreeing to come on three times. I mean, 
I want to go for the record. I don't know. I, I want to keep coming up with ideas. Coming up on uh, Latroy Hawkins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, thank you for doing this. Uh, continued uh, improvement on your health, um, and uh, your friendship is 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 very much appreciated. Um, just just in case people didn't listen to the first two episodes, how can people find you online? Um, just Google TJ Quinn. Um, I'm at, ESPN, at TJ just... Quinn at TJ Quinn ESPN on Twitter. Um, but uh, I'm out there. Yeah, he, he's around. He's around. And uh, I look, you, you're doing doing the the, the, the yeoman's work. Um, TJ Quinn is a longtime reporter for uh, investigative reporter for ESPN. Before that, he was a Mets beat writer. That's when uh, I first became aware of this, 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 this gentleman. Uh, thank you for listening. And uh, again, uh, we're going to continue to uh, keep an eye on this. And who knows, we might have to do another episode on this as uh, news dictates. But uh, it's something that I thought was very, very, very important to do. Um, we'll continue next week. We'll uh, dive back into Formula E. We'll be having one of the Formula E drivers next week uh, as the race is coming up in Brooklyn. We'll see you then. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today To be available for you to see I'm about to go, and then you'll know For me to stay, I got to be me You'll never be in doubt, that's what it's all about You can't take me for granted and smile Come on, please, I'm gone Forget reaching my phone Because I promise I'll be gone for a while When you see me again I hope that you have been The kind of person That you really are now You got to get in straight How could I ever be late When you're my woman Taking up my time